You are listening to the 3CR podcast of Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia is broadcast live every Sunday from 2 p.m. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au. Good afternoon, it is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855am 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Uh, my name is Nick Wallace. Across uh, from me, Ash Blackwell, how are you doing today? I am fantastic, thanks Nick. And this show is a show about all things drugs. We talk about the issues that surround this multi-trillion dollar global market that um, apparently we're not meant to know about because uh, knowing things about it would be... Uh, sending the wrong message or something, I don't know. Information is the wrong message in this context. That's the uh, idea, but we disagree, so we're all about the information. And on the show this afternoon, uh, we're, we're, we're going both local and global, um, very local with the Victoria Street Drug Solutions Group, uh, hearing from them. They were pivotal in getting the Melbourne uh, the Medi- Melbourne Medically Supervised Injecting Room or Centre. I've seen it called both. I don't know. Take your preference. What do you prefer? <laughs> I guess it's a room right now, and they're building the centre because... Because uh, there is construction going on to, I think, triple the capacity of it um, by, I think, mid-next year. It's uh, it's all cleared out there. It's under construction. Anyway, we're catching up with them uh, and then crossing over to the US to catch up with uh, David Nichols from the DMT Nexus, uh, who has been... Um, Playing um, uh, Connect the Dots, he has been looking at those uh, organisations and individuals getting involved with um, psychedelic research, especially with the funding of psychedelic research as it's coming more and more toward um, being a legitimate public medicine. Um, But before we get stuck into those things... uh well, Ash, you were, you were the first one to tell me this yesterday. Yeah, well, I had I had four people message me in in an hour yesterday afternoon um, with the news that the founder of EarthCore, Spiro Borsine, uh, passed away on I think it was Friday Saturday morning at um, at about two a.m. Uh, it's been confirmed and widely reported now that uh, he was, I guess, taken into citizen custody i guess like some some people at a bar uh he'd been acting violently is the uh, allegation towards some patrons at uh, a bar in elstonwick and some people uh held him down and called the police and when the police arrived he was taken into custody um and then i think uh went into cardiac arrest is the the uh the the story that's out there and um Paramedics, police and paramedics tried to revive him and it seems that he's died at the scene. When so our condolences to his friends and family. Um, he was a controversial figure, but, you know, sort of loathed by some, but well-loved by many. And um, I think that, um, you know, it's a good time to at least acknowledge the role that he played in, in establishing some of the foundations of what is now a, a thriving you know, subculture community. Absolutely. Um, there, there's been a lot of 
talk around him online. He's a very notorious figure um, uh, across Australia's uh, outdoor electronic um, music scene. A lot of people know his name. Um, so it, it's come as a shock to many because of, uh, I mean, it's it's three weeks away from Earthcore. We mentioned last week uh, some of the uh, some of the issues that were surrounding this year's Earthcore. But it, I mean, it w- wasn't unusual for issues to be surrounding Earthcore on the uh, on the lead up to it, and, and for this to have happened is just. Um, uh it's it's tragic um yeah I, I when i first saw that news story as well not knowing at all who was involved i thought oh no that sounds like another another case of um uh death through excited delirium where somebody who and it, and this is something that we have to be aware of in the harm reduction uh movement that um those uh on certain substances especially um amphetamine type substances or other uppers um can get into a uh, a state of uh excited delirium especially when they're um uh under stress say if, if somebody is trying to arrest them if they're acting a little bit um uh bizarrely and they fight back um it can cause a, a heart issue very quickly it's happened um, here and there, there's a few cases with different substances associated. And I thought, oh no, that's you know that's no good. And then then the, the story started to unravel as the day goes by. But I'm sure it'll uh, unravel uh, as um, as the weeks go by as well. Um, but um, yeah, our condolences, as Ash said. Yeah, um, it's certainly certainly a, a, it's big news in the community. A lot of people like even if they um, didn't have an ongoing positive relationship with Spiro, certainly learnt a lot being involved in the Earthcore Festival over the um, over two decades that um, it's it's been on the scene. Uh, and, I mean, the other big news, I, I don't know if, if it affects much... I mean, it affects all sorts of things, but um, it seems like we're likely to have a hung parliament. I know counting um, in the Wentworth um, by-election is still ongoing and the gap is um, is narrowing, but people are still calling it as uh, indep- a win for the independent independent candidate, Karen uh, Phelps. I don't know if she has much to say about drug policy or... Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's a, mixture of, a mixture of federal and state and global issues all go into drug policy. We can't, we can't change our laws immediately in Victoria without... Con- Contravening global policy set through the United Nations treaties, and the the federal government also uh, sets uh, laws around, especially uh, border protection. Um, but they also manage the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, which is our organisation for regulating all uh, all drugs, uh, all therapeutic agents, um, which uh, at this stage includes. Um, most psychoactive substances, but not alcohol and tobacco, our common, most common recreational drugs uh, for historical reasons it's always the the shrug point um along there um we've got a little bit of time for some quick news but we will uh then cross straight to uh our chat with the victoria street drug solutions group well i guess the the biggest news internationally is uh canada has now legalized uh recreational cannabis for adult use which has been widely celebrated by most but not everybody um well, two things that happened. One is that they completely sold out on the first day because um, it's been quite a narrowing of the uh, availability and pathways to access through the way that they've done their regulation. Um, and some of the prices have been a lot higher than in the black market. And uh, some of the activists that have been involved in this struggle for a while uh, aren't that big of a fan of the way that they've gone about legalizing cannabis and have been referring to it as Prohibition 2.0 as some of the 
penalties for things which fall out of that outside of that narrow regime uh, the penalties have actually increased and they're kind of expanding the focus on policing those kinds of things. I do hear a voice that sort of mumbles in the back of my head when we talk about this. I think it's like the voice of my latent conservative going, oh, what, we legalise and then it's not even good enough for you? What What do you want now? <laughs> but this is the reality of it. The real question isn't whether or not we we legalise or not, I think the answer is fairly obvious there. Uh, prohibition has failed at every possible step of the way. It, it doesn't stop people from getting drugs. It doesn't make people safer. It, it doesn't lead to better outcomes. It creates corruption. It spreads corruption around the world. It creates death cults. It creates uh, corrupt officials who decide to go on uh, murdering sprees. It's not a good policy. That question is over. What we need to figure out is the question um, of how do we change that and how do we move towards a legalised and regulated market because there's uh, a lot of a lot of question marks in that whole uh, in that whole question. Yeah, question I think the, the I think the how of the legalisation debate is where the the real sort of the real element of the discussion should be for those of us on the pro reform side. Um, I think that we can start to move past now the argument about whether we should legalise and regre uh, regulate uh, currently illicit substances and start considering the nuanced questions about how. Because if we don't pay attention to that sort of thing, we get what we, uh, what we got here with medical cannabis, which is a really poor scheme that doesn't serve patients well. It's really hard to understand who it serves well at all. It just creates a, a quite a dense bureaucracy that's um, impossible to navigate for a lot of people and makes the substances unaffordable for those that really need them. It... Um and, and not only that, but there is there is something that needs to be acknowledged, and this seems to be um, a, fu a fundamentally obvious thing that um, seems really difficult for people to acknowledge. This is especially for those that sit there and, and think, oh, no, we can't end prohibition because what then we'll send the message that it's okay to take these drugs because newsflash people are already taking the drugs despite prohibition. So they didn't actually require the government to give the green light on that one. Um, the government's responsibility there is to provide uh, education and, and support or at least to facilitate for education for others who already want to educate and support those people uh, can do that because I think that's probably another one of those things. We're not actually asking the government to come in and fill the gaps. We're asking for the people that are already waiting in the ranks to fill those gaps to be a allowed to that's it mm. there's there's really not a lot to it so um one of the other big problems it's a multi multi-billion dollar industry across this country which means that there are a lot of vested players already so if you were to legalize something is it controversial to ask for something like an amnesty for those uh people who might have been dealing substances but never had a violent uh, or, or property offense a violence or property offense um made against them only drug charges maybe they should get maybe they well, should be thrown a, a short course in business and you know <laughs> go and I, I expect thumb. it depends. There's different players in the illicit market. And I think one thing that broadly as a community we should be able to agree on is that people that are um, compassionate suppliers in the uh, medical cannabis space that are currently operating outside of the, the legal regime, those are the kinds of people that we should definitely be considering amnesty for. Um, the government has gone after some of the... the the bigger names and more well-known figures, Tony Bauer, Jenny Hallam in South Australia. These people, they're, they're not gangsters. They're not violent. They're, they are actually 
attempting in the best way that they know how to provide an essential health service for people that don't have access. And the idea that we, we go after and criminalise these people is frankly abhorrent. Um, we don't have enough time to delve into more news. Uh, were there any things that you wanted to mention? Oh, I, actually, <laughs> can I just mention quickly, uh, Greg Denham from the uh, Yarra Drug Health Forum uh, has uh, uh, headed overseas, is actually in Canada right now speaking about um, uh, the law enforcement action uh, there's another couple of letters in there. It's one of what he's involved with um, law enforcement against prohibition or the law enforcement action. There's another P word in there. It's changed its name recently. And he's over the partnership. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, over in Canada talking about that. But I just found it very convenient that he was uh, going over to Canada the <laughs> day after legalization. <laughs> former police officer Greg Denham. Uh, um, but, stirring up some controversy there, Nick. <laughs> no, no. I'm sure it's all coincidental. Uh, uh, look, I guess just briefly, the only other thing that I've got on my, on my desk for news is the uh, recent report coming out about... Um, youth uh, drug and alcohol use and some reporting that's focused on that, highlighting the fact that it's, for a lot of young people, it's a cheaper and more pragmatic uh, decision to consume something like MDMA than uh, alcohol at the high prices that, that it's often available at. This is In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Find In Psychedelia on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Brainwaves, hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. This is in psychedelia on 3CR, um, 855 AM, 3cr.org.au. This is Ash Blackwell, and we're joined in the studio today with Greg and Lorraine from the Victoria Street Drug Solutions uh, residence group that were critical in getting the uh, North Richmond Injecting Centre established. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, guys. So how are things going? We've heard a little bit from um, Nico Clark, the medical director, about how things are actually going inside the centre. How are things going in the community? Has there been a quick noticeable difference for you guys? Yeah, look, I'd like to answer that question from a resident's point of view rather than a member of the resident's group. Um, And I think it was within a week of it opening, uh, the the difference on a daily basis was so completely obvious and tangible. Uh, A quick story, my apartment block has a bin area out the front on Nicholson Street and I would go out every morning on my way to work and there would already be one or two or three people in there ready to inject or if not the flip side I would come home from work every day and there'd be all the rubbish associated with drug use and sometimes a whole lot more and and literally overnight from the day it opened on the Saturday on the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, still to this day I walk past and look in because I got so indoctrinated into checking, that disappeared. It disappeared. Now I've come across, it's been open now, what, three, four months, I've come across one person injecting in there in that time since. It's just extraordinary, the contrast. And that's going from almost daily? Oh, daily, more than daily sometimes, so yeah. 
And you've noticed the same thing, have you, Greg? Yeah, no, I'd, I completely concur. The um, the first couple of weeks, there was a real calmness, is the way that I'd describe it. Um, having, I suppose, just lived a, a, amongst sort of much greater activity. And when I say activity, I'm thinking of the ambulances, like the constant sound of siren. I'm thinking of coming across people in the back lanes and in all those sort of nooks and crannies around the back streets um, who were injecting, preparing to inject or have had recently injected. Um, and of course, all the paraphernalia, um, the needles, etc. All that sort of calmed down pretty quickly and um, has remained, I think, relatively calm. And uh, the incidence of that sort of activity sort of in the back streets has, has certainly subsided. From what I understand, it's probably pretty similar to what Nico's been saying, that the injecting centre has been well utilised. Um, you know, when we campaigned for it, we were very focused on saving lives and reducing harm. And, you know, saving lives is pretty evident. Um, after, I think, three months, they said there'd been over 120 or 140 incidents of overdose that they'd um, been able to manage sort of within the site. Um, but reducing harm, I think, is really quite critical because the harm comes about as much on the street when um, people inject in unsupervised ways. And also the harm comes for the community, everyone who lives, works and visits in the area, you know, who are constantly sort of like coming across that activity and it becomes very draining emotionally, psychologically. Um, it's, you know, no one wants to see people in that state. And, you know, I know that the residents in my conversations with people were, you know, at times quite traumatised um, at, you know, constantly coming across people who were in a really poor state of health, often, you know, driven by sort of mental health issues or homelessness issues. Um, and, uh, you know, that impacts on people who, who, who live there, who work there. And obviously it can impact on uh, the experience that people have when they visit the precinct. So those elements are beginning to shift. And whilst no one thought it was going to be a silver bullet, um, we are now three or four months into it. We're seeing positive signs. Uh, we're seeing positive sort of momentum. Um, and, you know, we're also reflecting on, well, you know, Sydney has been operating for 17 years and sort of what we're now observing in Sydney is quite profound change. It would be foolish of us to try and uh, expect that sort of change in two or three months. Um, you know, this is a solution that is incremental. It is actually dealing with health issues um, and it is capturing a lot of people who, uh, you know, are on the streets and, you know, they have, you know, health issues around mental health, um, trauma in their own lives, um, addiction that, you know, that has come as a consequence. And those things are now being picked up. And those things are now being dealt with at the North Richmond Community Health. And they are able to provide a whole range of health, health services where in the past those health services, those, those issues weren't being picked up. So I think, you know, I think it's, it's useful to have our observations. Um, and I think it's useful to hear other people's observations. Um, but I think the impact on people's lives and the consequences that sort of um, uh, snowballs if you like um, and the positive consequences what I'm talking about as as those as the positive health interventions snowball um, I think will will build and the opportunity then to see uh, victim
Victoria Street and the precinct around it um, begin to sort of like, you know, stick its head up again and, and begin to feel like a much more healthy environment um, will happen and happen over time. About a month ago at um, Yarra Drug and Health Forum, uh, AGM Nico was speaking and there were a few questions. Uh, there were some residents that stood up there and uh, had uh, some complaints about the program so far and I know there had been a few uh, incidents that had been reported in the news over the operation so far. Very, very few. But as time has gone by, have you seen these sorts of comments getting less have you spoken to these people are they feeling that their concerns are being uh put to rest or are are there still people with some concerns around well i think if you i can i've been less directly involved with the residents group in the last few months but i still follow the the movement and commentary on on our social media pages there seems to be less negative commentary appearing in that i think as greg mentioned before two or three months in you know we've seen that this a the sky hasn't fallen in B, there has been a, a, a marked decrease in that on-street activity and the, the, all the paraphernalia associated with it. And, and in many ways, that, that was a lot of the concern of residents, was around confronting the trauma of, of injection, confronting the rubbish of injection. Uh, so in a way, that's predominantly been addressed, not ever completely. And I guess, and the thing is, there are still homeless people there are still drug users congregating around the area and that's obviously going to continue to happen until those longer-term responses and opportunities for response are put in place. Uh, and, and so it still is about managing people's unrealistic expectations about, well, overnight it was going to solve everything and it hasn't, therefore it's a failure. Yeah, I'd, I'd also add to that that you know, by the having the injecting centre open, it's it's sort of brought a sort of renewed focus to the area, and um, there was, or probably is, an expectation of you know we will see improvements, and I believe we do see improvements. Um, but also, people are, are wanting to see massive improvements in a whole range of areas, which um, I think is reasonable but over time and at the moment we're still you know the the area is still sort of quite a contested space with a lot of people coming and going through it um and whilst i think the uh the overarching temperature has certainly cooled um there's there's people that are looking for sort of quite significant improvements quite quickly um and with the sort of like the focus that's now there I understand that you know people want their particular um, needs attended to, um, but fundamentally it will be something that will happen over time. So it's you're a community group, and um, you kind of set up in a in a in a period of crisis to try and get a policy in that would help manage that crisis, which. You know, to to your credit, to all of your credit, um, you know, you got that win. So what now for the community group? Like, are are you guys still active in the community? And what kind of focus and direction is is next for the community that you've built around you? Well, the the reason that we um, really focused on the injecting centre was because I suppose it was a real prevalent issue around um, the Victoria Street precinct. And uh, it really brought the neighbours, the residents, the community together because I think they reflected that, you know, we've said it before, a couple of dozen years of um, 
policy that was very focused around um, law and order, you know, had basically not worked and it had contributed to the situation that currently existed. And people, people, when you actually spoke to them, had an opinion that is, we really need to try something different. You know, what's been tried is not working. Um, we need to think about this differently. And when the evidence that um, we had available to us was pointing to an injecting centre um, in terms of it you know, the evidence being what happened in Sydney and what's happened overseas and the improvements that it had brought to people's lives, you know, particularly those that are in, um, the, those, those that are in the, the injecting culture um, as well as the people in the immediate amen- uh, environment. Um, people said, Leah, that, that's something we need to bring into our community. So our focus was very much on... Um, what we could do to improve the safety and the amenity of the community. We, we feel that, you know, we've, we have been, as a community group and as a com- community movement, um, been successful in bringing, um, you know, the focus on the injecting centre, and we feel like there's more to be done now around Victoria Street. And I think the key that we have is the community that we're part of. Um, whilst many are focusing on ways in which they can shift the perception of Victoria Street through perhaps marketing or, you know, Im- Im- improve shop fronts or something like that, I think the community is is still an asset in the area to be engaged with and to work with and to get their buy-in in what the future of uh, Victoria, the Victoria Street precinct's about. So as a residence group, we're still very focused on improvements that we can bring to the area. We've now set up partnerships with the Victoria Street Business Association, who obviously also want to have um, and they positive were quite outcomes. opposed during the campaign, weren't they? They 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 voiced their opposition. Um, <laughs> I think that they were very um, concerned. Their concern was they just didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and I think when they saw the um, support that did exist, and when they, you know, I'd like to say when they saw the evidence that was wrapping around what was being proposed, um, they were able to come on board. They could see the reason, they could see the evidence, um, and they could find, you know, they could see that this was that we weren't rat bags, <laughs> um, and that we were being reasonable and rational. We weren't going away. We were being sensible. We'd got a really positive outcome by by promoting the um, the establishment of a trial of an injecting centre, and they could see you know the benefits that were flowing pretty straight away. Yeah, and I think it's really important in that in that question or where you've gone with that, Greg, is to acknowledge the the leadership role that Mekaho has played since. Uh, that response, and it was it was a relationship we had sought to develop in the lead up of our campaign, and and it wasn't successful. And then, as you alluded to to um, Ash, the certainly the rally, it was a very small but vocal group of traders there opposing um, what was being proposed through the MSIC. But subsequent to that, we continued um, to try to engage, and I think. Yes, as Greg has said, the actual impact of that rally was a very positive point in that turn. So 
to the nub of your question, though, what now? It is about continuing those those relationships with with the traders and with with other community groups. So, more recently, we've worked with the neighbourhood house movement um, on the estate. Um, we actually supported their moonlight Phantom lantern festival a few months ago by um, donating the sausages and actually cooking the sausages. So that's been a really positive relationship to have established for the, for us. Because in the end, there are a number of long-standing community groups around the area, whether it be the housing estate or, or neighbourhood houses or us or CARA, who've who whilst have their own little niches in such, there's a real, the common ground is the community, the health and well-being of the community in the broadest possible sense. And I think that's where we can start to to work more collaboratively as well. Um, And then finally, I would say one of our major roles now in this very moment in the lead up to a state election is to to really continue Continue to provide the evidence when maybe business business owners are maybe starting to waver because their business hasn't immediately improved overnight, or where residents might be beginning to waver because they're getting scaremongered by misinformation again. Um, is part of our role now is to really just counter that with the evidence, with the facts, in a reasonable and responsible and rational way, which was such a part of the the campaign in the first place. Fantastic. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to add to that, that um, after we did establish the, um, well, we were part of the establishment of the trial of the injecting centre, we kept the communication going not only with the the, um, Victoria Street Business Association, but with local schools, with police, with the North Richmond Community Health. Um, you know, we've, we've had conversations with representatives of ambulance and, and fireys, um, and there's probably many others that I'm just not thinking of at the moment. And the resounding thing that came back is that people wanted to see, like, improved amenity on our streets. People are wanting to see activities. And whilst, you know, council, that was another partner that we've been speaking with, council are sort of investing in sort of community infrastructure to, um, you know, bring back some vibrancy into Victoria Street. Um, we started talking with people and, and, and hearing from people that what they wanted to see was activity on the street. So bring the community to the street and have activities, events, markets, festivals, arts arts events, exhibitions, performances, you know, to, to really bring some vibrancy. And so sort of vibrancy, vitality, visibility were the sort of catch cries that we heard. So we... We're beginning to sort of put together projects and programs that would be able to sustain that, and of course, that will require some some you know resourcing. So we're uh, we're also looking at where we can find those resources. And I know that in the past uh, we've looked at funding from government programs. Um, we've had some small conversations with some some key philanthropists who are very keen to see you know action on the ground and that their money go into acti- activities with positive outcomes. So we feel quite confident confident that there is, you know, a, a great opportunity to actually grow something in the Victoria Street precinct. We're seeing it a bit like a, a, um, a blank page at the moment, and it, it's time to really populate that blank page in a way that really sort of keeps at its heart the safety and the amenity of, of the entire community that, uh, that pass through Victoria Street. We've been speaking with Greg and Lorraine from the Richmond Victoria Street Drug Solutions. Um, 
for that resourcing question, could you just, uh, for a final point, remind our listeners where they can get in touch and connect with um, with your group to support the revitalisation that's now happening in the area? We do have a um, thanks, Sash. We do have a uh, Facebook page, um, Vic Street Drug Solutions, and we've also we've also got um, a, a web page, which is also VicStreetDrugSolutions.org. Which um, you might need to have a quick chat with your. Um uh, whoever's managing it because the domain's down oh but that's God, okay thank you. Uh, we have discovered that uh, on the air right now so hopefully it'll be be fixed very quickly but uh, VicStreetDrugSolutions.org is the website go to the Facebook page in a moment <laughs> <laughs> alright thanks for joining us today oh you're welcome guys and thanks for your ongoing support too yeah, thank you very much Celebrate International Day of People with Disability at the Victorian Disability Sport and Recreation Festival. With over 30 exhibitors and three activity zones, come and try different inclusive sports, meet Paralympians and watch the AFL Wheelchair Challenge. This is a free, accessible, family-friendly event. Monday the 3rd of December from 10 till 3pm at Crown River Walk. For more information, visit dsr.org.au. A 3CR supporter. And that was the dysphemic remix of, um, I'm sorry, Nick, you're going to have to jump in on that. I had the uh, name of it. Temple Step Projects, uh, gracias, gracias, on In Psychedelia, uh, 3CR Community Radio. And we are just about to get on the line Gabe Buckley, the president of the Liberal Democratic Party of Australia, because earlier this week uh, on Monday, um, Senator David Lionhelm um, brought debates of his uh, cannabis legalisation bill uh, into the parliament. Um, and, um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it hasn't passed the upper house um, there were there the debate was adjourned, I believe, uh, to be voted on. Um, but you know, you heard the the, the sort of uh, comments that you often hear in these kinds of debates from um, Liberal Senator Jane Hume, who cited numerous studies showing harmful effects of marijuana use, uh, including links to mental health issues, and. Um, claimed that it's unfathomable that anybody in this place, uh, speaking of um, the parliament, uh, could support a bill that increases a likelihood of teen suicide and of youth dropping out of school. And I think that this, when it comes up, this kind of thing, it's a, um, it's a really common way to... Um, think about the issue so often when i'm debating people about cannabis policy the tendency is for people that oppose reforms to talk about the potential harms and risks of um, cannabis and some of those are, are grounded in evidence and often some of them aren't but it fundamentally misses the point because 
these harms exist currently in uh, a prohibition uh, framework. So arguing that the harms are a reason to continue supporting the current uh, state of play, it's not really a, a, a rational kind of discussion. And I think it's something that um, those of us that are activists really need to call out. I think it's a mistake to... Um, <laughs> so I'm just having a chuckle at Nick having some tech issues on the uh, on the other side there. Doing it, doing it a different way. I'm making it work this way. Okay. What What are we going to do, Nick? I'm just gonna... I'm putting this on speakerphone. We've got a microphone there. This is technology in action. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah, we're getting. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you can, you can do an introduction. <laughs> we, we've we've had some trouble with the uh, the phone here in the studio. It's telling so me we're... it's not connected. But look here. Here we go. So. Uh, well, we've got you on the we've got you on air now, Gabe. So yeah. um, we, no we've got Gabe Buckley, the president of the Liberal Democratic Party, on the line. Welcome to Encyclopedia. Good to be back again. Um, so we just gave a bit of an intro that um, Senator Linehelm's bill was debated in Parliament this Monday and uh, highlighted some of the arguments that were forward in Parliament to oppose the bill. Um, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on uh, how the bill was introduced, how it's kind of progressed and, and where things are at currently? Okay, well, to get towards the Liberal Democrats' aim of complete legalisation of cannabis for all recreational, medical, agricultural, industrial uses, uh, there's a, a bunch of things that need to happen, both at the Commonwealth and the state level now. Uh, the regulation of drugs is a state issue, but there is a whole bunch of Commonwealth legislation sitting there that uh, pretty much stops any of the states or territories from going their own way on cannabis. So the bill seeks to remove those prohibitions from Commonwealth law and then leave it up to the states to change their own laws and uh, hopefully legalise cannabis in some uh, point in the future, uh, hopefully not too far away. But uh, So the bill aims to um, stop customs from intercepting shipments of cannabis. It aims to uh, pretty much prevent any other Commonwealth agency from deciding that uh, cannabis is something that the Commonwealth government should be controlling or restricting uh, because it is a state's issue and the beauty of our bill is that it, it ticks two of our boxes and one that people should be able to make up their own minds about which drugs they're going to put in their body and secondly we believe in states rights we think that the commonwealth has well and truly overstepped the bounds of the constitution taken a, a lot of uh, things off the states that should be handled by the states and and we're big uh, advocates for putting things back in the hands of the individual states where we can because then you know we've got six different legislative environments that people can actually shop around and and decide where they want to live rather than having all states forced into the same uh situation by the commonwealth so it, the tga is the the federal government body that um, generally regulates therapeutic substances um, in Correct. this bill or uh, in the approach of the Liberal Democrats, does this include how the TGA might relate to cannabis, um, especially from a therapeutic point of view? 
It, it does. Our, our position on the TGA is that it should be a, uh, a voluntary system and if people want TGA accreditation, they're, they're welcome to go and get it and we can see that you know, if you're selling something as a therapeutic uh, substance, then having the TGA approval is going to give you a lot more uh, gravitas and authority in the market to say, well, you know, the TGA has actually stamped this for us, so we're, we're fairly sure that it's uh, got a bit of efficacy about it. Um, and I don't, I don't see why anybody that doesn't have a, a bona fide therapeutic product wouldn't want to go and get it certified. There's, there's something um, uh, I, I noticed reading through the bill, uh, which has been sitting in Parliament since um, since May. I, I understand there's about 200 other bills sitting in Parliament uh, often happens, but it's not... It's not a it's not a regulatory system that's being proposed by uh, the Liberal Democrats. It's it's a uh, as you said it's it's just removing the barriers that currently exist for uh, states to be able to make their own regulation and experiment uh, perhaps with slightly different kinds of regulation as is happening uh, in the U.S. And maybe that's an important uh, distinction to make here. You're not actually putting forward uh, a regulatory model uh, with this bill. No, no, we don't. We don't actually believe that we need a regulatory model. Uh, you know, save from the usual uh, things about uh, you know all, all the things we recommend. Uh, we're recommending for adults, not for children. Parents should be able to uh, you know restrict their children's drug intake if they they feel that that's appropriate. And uh, we don't think that cannabis shops and stuff should be uh, any different to bottle shops, really, in that, you know, they're, they're a place for adults to go and buy adult drugs and, and consume responsibly. So, uh, it, it's not something that we think needs to be regulated. Uh, you know, all the research points to it not being a particularly dangerous or, or, uh, uh, fearful substance that we should be scared of. I mean, humanity's been using it for 3,000 years for, for what about 100 of those years it's been illegal so you know it's not something that we really think needs to have uh, a lot of government oversight or anything like that uh and with this bill where uh may june july we're about six months um in do we have a, a timeline of uh of where it's going next as debate progresses through the through the houses uh, is there a lot of support from other parties um what's what's the sort of feel in parliament yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of support from from other parties. I, I've gone and, and read through some of the speeches from the other parties, and and to their credit, the Greens have recently changed their policy on cannabis, uh, and they want a, a fairly heavily regulated, limited supply, uh, which probably isn't going to make a great deal of difference as far as consumers go, because um, if you heavily regulate that sort of product uh, i mean they don't call it weed for nothing it'll grow pretty much anywhere so uh, you're still going to have a black market in cannabis you're still going to have money going into organized crime syndicates when you know it could be going into legitimate businesses that then pay tax and pay for things like schools and hospitals and and all the other stuff that uh, our taxes go towards so I, I don't think the Greens model is a particularly good one, but to their credit, they are the only other party in Parliament that supports any form of relaxation on cannabis. The The Labor Party got up and said, point blank, we do not support the legalisation of recreational cannabis. The Liberal Party got up and said, well, you know, we don't even really support the 
the medicinal side, but you know, we're happy to go along with it because we know so many people do. Uh, so yeah, we're not, not getting a whole heap of support in Parliament and uh, I wouldn't expect either the Labor Party or the Liberal Party to vote in favour. Do, do you uh, think the Greens will? Do you think the Greens will support um, the LDP bill? I would like to think that the Greens would support the LDP bill. Um, they didn't support our bill on same-sex marriage, so I think they do tend to let uh, the the few uh, economic differences that our two parties have cloud their judgment when it comes to actually getting things that they want. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I think compromise is an important factor in these um, discussions. Do you know if there's because it's all, there's always things around you know the halls of parliament and what comes out of a party spokesperson isn't always what's said behind the scenes. Do you know if there's any shift? I guess in the opinions and attitudes of some of the other people within these parties, within the halls of Canberra, um, for pushing things forward, even if they're not able to say that publicly at the moment? I I believe there is. uh, A lot of the uh, younger crop of of coalition MPs coming through have, uh, have certainly espoused views uh, far more in line with the Liberal Democrats than with the uh, official Liberal Party line. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there were a few of the uh, the Labor Party members who were also in agreement. Uh, yeah, I, look, I think if we had a legitimate conscience vote on this issue, we'd get close to 50-50. Hmm. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3CR.org.au. We're speaking now to Gabe Buckley, President of the Liberal Democratic Party. uh, And uh, you're also a candidate in the federal election for uh, one of the Senate seats in Queensland. Um, But, Gabe, I'm curious... We, we've just seen Canada legalise this week. Um, we've seen parts of America uh, are moving towards legalisation. Um, it, it can be hard sometimes when you're when you're um, you know when you're in your own country and you're surrounded by the politics that surrounds you every day um, to to understand what's going on in in different areas. And and we have such still such opposition to uh, uh, regulation, even though we seem to be a, a relatively Maybe this, maybe I'm viewing things wrong, but relatively progressive society in comparison with maybe other parts of the world. Maybe I'm not. Yeah, yeah, she's making a. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm giving so, that. So yeah, maybe not so much sign but, in the background. <laughs> what, what, what is going on that's so different in in places like Canada, where where so many politicians are publicly supporting and have publicly supported the the legalization uh. of, of cannabis, as opposed to here, where people seem to even if they believe it they won't say it publicly why not why is that well i think uh, ash is probably uh, close to the money there australia is not actually that progressive a society i'm just uh, c- certainly uh, where, where you two guys are, are at in the city melbourne very progressive get out beyond the outer suburbs and uh that progressivism tends to to fall away quite quickly. That's right. Some guys uh, did try to start a fight with me in a pub for my hair once. Um, I, I literally have no nothing else on that. I didn't even... I don't know who they were. I don't know what that was. That's, that's one of the reasons why I don't have hair. <laughs> uh, 
But um, yeah, I think there is there is a lot of entrenched resistance to changing laws in Australia. Uh, you know, it's often joked that we started out as a penal colony and we haven't really shifted our attitudes much at all. The other, uh, probably the main driver of the resistance is actually the police unions. Uh, you know, cannabis is easy money for the police. It's lots of arrests, lots of convictions, lots of fines. You know, it, it, it's really just just money for jam for for the police. Can- As we know, cannabis is, as in relation to other drugs, is is very bulky, very smelly, very difficult to conceal, very easy for the police to you know, throw a net over twenty people, and you're going to find somebody with some cannabis in their pocket. And can we stick? It's, it's, Sorry, on on this point, it's it's really um, uh, I I I know a few people find this a hard one to 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 grasp, but but maybe um, explain a little bit further. We know that police departments in other parts of the world will lobby for certain laws because they're going to get uh, money to to invest into new uh, equipment, into more time, into uh, uh, chasing certain crimes, and it becomes a sort of self fulfilling cycle here. Can you go into into what? What sort of happens without... I don't think people necessarily consciously realise it's happening, or not everyone along the line, but it sort of self-fulfills and, and creates itself. Yes. Yeah, well, pretty, pretty much the biggest uh, lobby group for any state government in the country is the police union of that state, and they, they really do have the power, unlike most of the other unions who can just be you know, a bit annoying, the police union can really do some damage to a state government. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, as as I mentioned, the having cannabis as a uh, illegal substance gives the police a very easy way to to grind their numbers up very quickly and uh, make themselves look very good, mm. uh, which is obviously um, then then beneficial. And you know, if they're getting all these arrests, then they get more funding, and it does become a self fulfilling cycle. We've seen it. The whole way through with the war on drugs ever since the 80s it's been a matter of okay the police police are driving this because they want more funding they know they can just round people up for for cannabis they know uh it's not that dangerous for them you know if if you're going after big cocaine shipments you're you're dealing with you know proper armies of uh cartel things if you're going after cannabis dealers you're going after some bloke who's got a a paddock out near the bush who's just got a few um, few plants growing there. It, it's not that dangerous for the police to chase cannabis mm. growers and, and distributors, whereas, you know, some of the uh, the more profitable drugs around, uh, people want to keep that uh, profit margin, so they're, they're happy to protect it with guns. So um, you're not just uh, uh, involved in politics, uh, Gabe. You're also a cannabis enthusiast. So I guess... What do you think are the most important uh, things to consider? Because, you know, we've been having this ongoing discussion about how we legalise. So in moving forwards, um, obviously the LDP is a a minor party. So at some point there's probably going to have to be a negotiation and a compromise with with other people in the space. What, What do you think are the core key considerations that we should keep in mind? Oh, look, I'm... Yeah, I, I think the economic benefits are just immense. Aside from the savings that we make in not having law enforcement chase it round, which is around about, I think, about a hundred million in Australia at the moment. 
per year. We're spending on law enforcement, chasing pot growers and pot users. Uh, if we legalised it, the size of the cannabis market, if we gave the government the GST on it, we're probably looking at about half a billion dollars. And then you've got all of the other economic activity that, that just uh, is going to take off in terms of growing, uh, manufacturing, things like edibles and uh, other alternative forms, which also then factors back into user safety. We know that edibles are far safer than smoking. Uh, we know that you know, vaping technologies come a long way. Uh, we can start using that to, to use cannabis as well in a far less dangerous manner. Uh, so yeah, I, but the the ultimate one for me is you know prohibition doesn't really affect me that much. I'm a big guy. I can go and hang out with rough people and and buy some cannabis. It really doesn't bother me that much. But you've got little old ladies. Yeah, you know, they they shouldn't have to be dealing with you know thugs basically to get their glaucoma medication. And I think legalizing the um, legalizing the homegrown market is probably the most key things. I, I wouldn't care if I couldn't nip into the shop and grab some bud on the way home uh, if I was able to grow it at home. Uh, so I think, yeah, letting people grow their own and just look at the look at the financial implications for whichever state legalizes first is just going to reap an absolute bonanza. Excellent. Well, that's all we've got time for today. So thank you for joining us on the line, uh, Gabe Buckley. Not a problem, guys. Uh, always happy to join you two. Thank you very much, Gabe. And um, best of luck when, uh, what, six months' time, have we got another federal election? Will you be running again? I'll definitely be running. Um, I'm uh, at the top of the Queensland ticket again. So, yeah, hopefully we can go a few few spots better than we did last time and actually uh, get in and make some more noise. Well, we'll get in touch and um, find out what's going on once uh, once the federal campaign all ramps up. We're in state election mode here, so yes, <laughs> we'll focus on yes, that. Yes, and you've got... Got some, got a couple of good parties there supporting cannabis legalisation in Victoria. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it goes well for them. Thank you very much, Gabe Buckley. Not a problem, guys. Gabe, Bu- Gabe Buckley is the president of the Liberal Democratic Party and uh, former uh, candidate and will be a candidate in the future. This is in Psychedelia and we are just about out of time. Uh, events this week, Ash? Yeah, we've got um, this coming Saturday is the rescheduled uh, cannabis picnic up in Sydney and that's happening, uh, I think it's on the tw- 27th uh at uh, Sydney University, I believe. You can check out online for that. Um, and on the 3rd of November is uh, Unharm's Undead Party. That's their key fundraiser. Um, both of these events are up in Sydney, so if anybody is listening out in Sydney. And uh, just before we wrap the show, we've been putting the podcast up weekly now, so welcome to any of the new listeners who are listening in on the podcast. And thank you for joining us this afternoon. Um, I did mention an interview at the top of the show that we didn't make it to in this show, so we'll make it to in another show. That will be with David Nichols from the DMT Nexus talking about uh, the, the, the murky world of psychedelics as they come to legitimacy. Queering the air up next. See you later. This is In Psychedelia. Comments, complaints or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 
3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. This has been a 3CR podcast. You can hear Encyclopedia Live every Sunday from 2pm. Head to 3cr.org.au for more.